Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have viral sensation Alex Kack. Most of you may recognize Alex as Green Shirt Guy, uh, who kind of found internet fame last week after a Tucson City Council meeting uh, where a couple of Trump supporters interrupted the meeting and Alex kind of stole the show as he just burst out laughing during the entire confrontation. Uh, I know when I saw the video, I, I found so much joy in it just seeing this person that was just so tickled by the stupidity of what was happening. Uh, that, that, you know, I, I had tweeted out immediately when I saw Patton Oswalt uh, share it that, you know, I wanted to be this guy's best friend. Anybody who can just laugh in the face of such nonsense, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. But as I learned a little bit more about Alex Kack and some of the causes that he's a part of, uh, most notably Sanctuary Tucson, who he's currently working with, um, I wanted to find out a little bit more about him. You know, it's not very often that, you know, anybody wants to necessarily talk to somebody who, you know, is an internet sensation, becomes a meme, becomes a gif. Um, as Alex even says, you know, in this, uh, in this episode, you know, he's in minute 16 of his 15 minutes. Uh, but I, I found the causes that Alex is behind, um, yeah, you know, a, a lot more important than just, you know, the guy in a meme. And so I wanted to be able to talk to him about that. And of course, you know, what it's like to all of a sudden become become a meme. But yeah, it was, it was a great conversation with Alex. And I'm really glad that, you know, he was able to squeeze that in. He, You know, he's had a really busy schedule the past week, you know, as he's found this viral fame and not something he was used to. So uh, I was really glad that we were able to squeeze him in. It was a lot of fun uh, chatting with him. Um, and make sure that you guys check out, you know, those links uh, that I'll provide on the website uh, to that. He, uh, that he provides in the episode here so you can learn a little bit more um, about the causes that Alex is working with and about Sanctuary Tucson um, as well. Uh, also in this episode, I'll be covering a little bit of the Emmy FYC events that we've been at. Uh, of course, Emmy voting has now started. The Emmys this year take place September 22nd uh, here in Los Angeles, um, and we were able to uh, to go to a couple of events for Netflix this past week. Uh, we'll be chatting about that uh, for Russian Doll and When They See Us. Uh, we had a great time at both of those events. Uh, before we jump into the episode, I do want to let you know, uh, comedian Jonah Ray from The Meltdown, Mystery Science Theater, of course, one of the uh, original three of the Nerdist, now ID. 10T podcast. Uh, Jonah just put out an EP uh, that you can get on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that you listen to music uh, called You Can't Call Me Al. Uh, of course, you know, uh, a reference to a Paul Simon song there, but the uh, the songs on the album are reworked Weird Al songs uh, with, with a punk uh, a punk twist to them. So I've, I've absolutely loved it. I, I kept getting his version of Amish Paradise stuck in my head uh, when he released the music video that he did for that. Uh, but that album released today, uh, so make sure that you go Go check that out again. It's Jonah Ray. Uh, you can't call me Al. Uh, it's just a five-song EP. Uh, if you're going to buy it on iTunes, I think it's like $4.95. So it's, a, it, it's plenty cheap. Uh, you know, support support independent comedians and artists. You know, don't just don't just sit there and stream it. Go buy it. Support them. So it's, it's, it's a really fun album. I've absolutely enjoyed it. I've listened to it twice this morning. So, so go pick that up. Jonah Ray, You Can't Call Me Al. And one last matter of business here are the new shoes from Tom's. Tom's has teamed up with Star Wars for several new designs. You can see those at toms.com. Uh, they sent some over here. I'm absolutely loving them. So I've got two designs here. I've got a white pair uh, that has a Chewbacca and a bunch of sketches on it that's really cool. Um, and then a black slip-on pair that I picked up uh, that has some of the TIE Fighters and Millennium Falcon. It has the full the full fight um, on the uh, on the shoe. So they're really incredible. They've got a number of designs. Go over to toms.com. You can check that out. Uh, you know, you're, you're used to always hearing them advertise, you know, buy a pair of shoes, we'll donate a pair of shoes. They now have a really cool thing on their website when you go to the website to, to shop and even sign up for their newsletter 
newsletter, uh, you can actually select a cause that you want them to donate towards. Uh, so for me, mental health is something that, you know, is really important. And so that was the cause I selected. There's a number of them on there. Um, and honestly, it was kind of hard to choose, you know, what area you, you know, you wanted to be able to donate to. I know that there was homelessness on there, equality, uh, like I said, mental health. And so it, it was it was hard to really choose what I felt I wanted, you know, my, my purchase to go towards. When I had purchased a pair, um, I selected mental health because it's something that, you know, I, I, I feel really strongly about. You know, of course, I support all of the other causes as well. That was just what I chose. Uh, but yeah, I thank you to Tom's for sending over a, a, another pair to me uh, to be able to check these out. Uh, again, it's Tom's and Star Wars. You can get those at toms.com. And yeah, they're going to sell out. They're going to go fast. I believe they're a limited edition uh, style. So you're not going to want to miss out on those. I, I know uh, Sperry had done a pair like that. And so has Vans um, in years past. And when they're gone, they're gone. So you want to jump on these right away. Uh, again, toms.com. Thank you to Toms for sending over some pairs of those. Uh, we absolutely love them. Again, thank you to Alex Cack for taking the time to come on the podcast and talk about, again, becoming a viral sensation as well as Sanctuary Tucson um, and everything that that entails. Hope you guys enjoy this episode look for us coming up at long beach comic-con august 31st and september 1st i will be recording there as well as los angeles comic-con october 11th through the 13th Uh, we're excited to be back at both of those conventions we really enjoyed both of them last year and are very excited to be returning to those you can find tickets to those at longbeachcomiccon.com as well as lacomiccon.com tickets are going quickly i believe there's still some early discounts though uh, so make sure you head over there and check that out uh, if you're going to be in long beach or in los angeles Angeles on those dates. Thank you, Alex Cack. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We'll see you next week. Hey, Alex, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, how does it sound on your end? Everything okay? Yeah, everything sounds great. I'm I'm excited that we that we were able to make this work out. Uh, so I, I was just looking at the uh, at the timeline of events here, and it was almost exactly a week ago to the date that I guess your life kind of got flipped upside down here. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Um, it's been it's been a real kind of whirlwind of events, to be honest. It's been still it's a little bit of me that's still trying to process it all. <laughs> when when the hashtag of green shirt guys started trending. Uh, what 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 was the thought? I mean, did you realize that people were talking about you right away? How long did it take for you to to realize that you were the face of of this new uh, new internet meme? Well, so I mean, I guess in that sense, it was like it was like kind of almost immediate. I mean, the timeline for me was going to the city council meeting with my colleagues. Um, obviously, the events that transpired in the video. We went to dinner afterwards, and then somebody sent me a, a text message saying, "Hey, is this you?" It was a clip from the local news. I think at the time there was like 30-some-odd comments on it, and I responded to a few of them, and I, I tweeted about it. And I made a joke, and I'm famous now or something like that. <laughs> but that's kind of where I left it for the evening. I talked to a different friend of mine about about it for a little bit. Um, some friends of mine shared it, and that, that was just kind of it. And the next morning, my phone was just going off, and I remember waking up, and there was just tons of notifications from people I knew saying, you know, that I was trending on Twitter and there was, you know, emails for interview requests, just kind of all, <laughs> just all kinds of insanity. Yeah. I think the first, the first person I saw post, post the video, uh, was Patton Oswalt. 
and I, I saw that and I was just like, I have to know who this guy is because it was it was so amazing. And I, I know that they st- started the hashtag as well. Uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I am Alex Cack. And just making it that that's who we all are of, you know, we want to we want to be able to laugh at this nonsense. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, there's been a bunch of hashtags that have, that have come out of it, uh, which I think is interesting. Uh, there's there's green shirt guys, obviously the big one. But yeah, there was a I am Alex Cack was one. Um, you know, weirder Alex Cack was another. Um, there's also obviously hashtag banjo dude. Um, hashtag direct violation. I think there was a, a big gulp Nazi. Um, <laughs> You know, just a lot of kind of interesting, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things happening during that meeting. So when, when you started laughing at them, did, did you have any idea that anybody was filming, you know, the entire interaction? So, I mean, I knew there was lots of people filming in the room, because the city council meetings are always filmed, there's always like right. couple news cameras there, there's all, it's always streamed live uh, online. Um, I didn't understand that I was being zoomed in on that way, or that I was necessarily <laughs> being filmed. But, I mean, that's what wound up happening. Um, you know, the, when I first saw the clip, I watched the first few seconds of it, and then I pulled it over to show it to my coworkers. And I'm not really in focus in the first few seconds of that clip. They zoom in later. So I actually got to find out about the, the zoom in on my face with kind of the whole team of people that I work with out here, uh, which was, I mean, it was a lot of fun for us. Uh, we were laughing about it pretty good. Yeah, now, now you now you work with Sanctuary Tucson to, you know, try and help build, you know, Tucson to be a sanctuary city. So so what was, you know, what was going through your head at that moment when those people started shouting, you know, at the city council? Because I, I, I love nothing more about just how relaxed and just how tickled you are by the entire situation. I think just the, just the overwhelming awkwardness of the situation and just kind of the, the like, laughable absurdity of it all. Was, was I mean, it, it was hard for me to like, really focus on anything because it was just such a cringeworthy moment. <laughs> um, and, I mean, you see that in the video. I mean, the, the, most of the people that were sitting in the front two rows were getting up to walk away from it because it was, I mean, it was painfully uncomfortable, I think, to be around. But for me, it was almost like, you know, rubbernecking an accident that you drive by. You know, you just kind of have to see what's going to happen yeah it and it, i mean i i watched the video several times right when i saw it posted and i just kept laughing along with you because it was just so pure of how, how much joy you found in the ridiculous nature and i think that's what grabbed everybody is that there, there's just so much shit that we kind of all have to bear through with you know so much that this current administration has put forward and to be able to you know you in a way unite with somebody through the internet that is able to just find joy amongst all of this. I, I think that's what made everybody connect so easily to you. Yeah, I mean, it's the response has been overwhelming uh, and, and just incredible uh, to be on the receiving end of. And just to see that it resonated with people like that, it's, it's good to know that I'm not the only one who sees how how big of a joke all of this really is. Yeah, I mean, especially when we see, you know, members of the of the Trump administration talking about, you know, changing what's on the Statue of Liberty. And, I mean, it's just, it's so stupid and so silly that, I mean, I, th- I think that's where the hashtag of we are Alex Cack really, really becomes, you know, true. As, as we all are wanting to be in your shoes, being able to just laugh at it. 
you know it's funny as you bring that up that trump official uh, made those comments about the, the the poem on the statue of liberty today i saw that this morning the first time i laughed out loud in that meeting though was actually uh they, they were disruptive uh, a little bit throughout the course of the whole meeting and you know the, these things always begin with the pledge of allegiance and everyone stands to recite the pledge right. and they actually changed some of the language to the pledge to kind of fit their kind of nationalistic uh kind of xenophobic uh position really? and yeah and, and it made me laugh out loud because uh, there's like an inherent irony to it you know they're, they're, they're members of a group called the the az patriots and i just think the idea of, of a group who, who claims patriotism as their like their motivation going into a government space and then kind of disrespecting the pledge of allegiance with like a hateful ideology it was just so bizarre and 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 i mean it's so laughable and like the contradiction that they clearly don't see in themselves right <laughs> so now now aside from this like i mentioned you you do work with uh sanctuary tucson helping to raise funds for families that you know are affected by a lot of the uh, the crisis at the border tell me a little bit more about that and how people can kind of get involved and in, in some of the work you guys do absolutely so uh i'm a i'm a field organizer uh or you know, at least before this, I was. Uh, now, I, now I guess I'm the green shirt guy. I think that's my official title now. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm a field organizer with the People's Defense Initiative, which is a nonprofit based here in Tucson uh, that focuses on kind of issues of civil liberties and human rights uh, and social justice uh, here at this like localized level. Um, and this is one of the biggest projects that they, they've worked on to date is this push to, to make Tucson a sanctuary city and to do it at a grassroots basis through, uh, you know, a, a vote by direct democracy to allow the actual residents to have the say one way or the other instead of elected officials or politicians. Uh, you know, this would put it in the hands of the actual residents and say, this is how we want, you know, first responders to interact with people in our community. This is the, you know, policies that we want police to follow. Um, and these are the priorities that we want our police to have. So what do, you, what do you think? I know here in Los Angeles, I mean, we, we're also deemed as, as a sanctuary city. What what do you think is the biggest misperception people have about understanding the benefits of a sanctuary city? So, I mean, there's so many. I mean, the first the first one is that, the, you know, sanctuary uh, and sanctuary city, they're not legal definitions. So they, they're all kind of rooted in the same place, but they, they take a kind of a, a different, I think, kind of localized flavor in every city that declares themselves such. Um, it means something just ever so slightly different in each place. I think the, the biggest misconception that I think is born out of that is this idea that um, there's going to be some type of additional benefit for undocumented uh, folks that naturalized citizens or uh, birthright citizens uh, don't, don't have already. Um, and that, that's not the case at all. Um, this, uh, you know, really just, it, it doesn't even even the playing field. I mean, the, the truth is that even with these types of policies in place, undocumented folks are still going to be unfortunately marginalized. This, I think, just creates a, a relationship between the local government first responders and the undocumented community where people feel a little safer and are able to report crimes when they happen. You know, I mean, that's, that's the, the basis of it. And I think that is the other big misconception is, you know, that a lot of people believe that sanctuary cities are... are unsafe or have you know huge crime issues uh, but the truth is studies uh, actually show that the opposite is true um cities who put these types of policies into place actually normally see reductions in violent crime um and 
they actually help police and prosecutors more effectively, you know, go after violent criminals because the, the unfortunate thing is is that, that you know predators uh, in society tend to go after the most vulnerable, and right. it's hard to find a group that's more vulnerable than you know, people who are undocumented. Yeah, and I I remember having this conversation uh, similarly with somebody several years ago uh, when I lived in Utah. And they they were somebody who had uh, moved moved to the U.S. Um, and went through the immigration process, had become a citizen, uh, but had talked to me about how hard you know just the process is of becoming a citizen. But then also in that regard of you know they try to talk about you know oh yeah it's, it's people that are illegal that are committing all these crimes and stuff. And and he mentioned to me you know it's quite the contrary because those people. They don't want to get deported back. They they want to kind of fly under the radar and just be able to, to work and, and provide for their families. And so it's been interesting, especially even here in Los Angeles, to be able to see, you know, the the truth to that. Well, that, I mean, that's exactly the case. I mean, if you look at the statistics, actually, uh, undocumented people are far less likely to commit any type of crime than uh, people who are here on a legal residency or people who are citizens. And, uh, I mean, you hit, the, I think, the nail on the head on the rationale behind that. You know, they are often living in fear. They don't want to have interactions with police. So, you know, by nature of that, they tend to have fewer traffic issues, and they're certainly not out, you know, committing any, any type of felony. Um, a lot gets made um, of the handful of cases where that is uh, has proven not to be true. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the hate mail I've received in the last couple of days, name name checks specific victims or specific uh, you know, perpetrators of crimes who happen to be undocumented. Uh, the thing that I always find kind of glaring about that is, is that you know, as a society, we do know some of these names. Uh, these have been uh, you know reported uh, at large in the news media. The reason, though, that you know the names of these people and not every Joe Schmo who commits a murder or a home invasion or anything like that is because it's actually so rare right. um, that someone, that, you know, comparatively that someone does this. I think there's a, a disconnect in the discourse and understanding that. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and it is, it, it's those few things that get the spotlight put on them and then that you know it, it just generalizes oh that's that that's who all this particular type of person is when it's so vastly the opposite that is absolutely the case you know and it's unfortunate that we're not having more of a dialogue about that um because i think it's giving uh certain uh people in this country a real dangerous misconception of what the problems with immigration really are absolutely so now, now with all of this kind of kind of gone, you know, I mean, you're you're forever going to live on on the internet, so as you know, a, a gif and a meme. <laughs> so how how many of your days now do you have to wear that that green shirt uh, for the rest um, of your life, basically? <laughs> you know, it's it's been quite a few. Um, I've been lucky. I I, got, I, got to, I haven't put it on yet today. Um, I am going to later to uh, to do something uh, for someone. But, you know, I, I've been doing it for video interviews. I've been doing it for appearances that I've been making. But, I, you know, I think we're on, I keep saying this, I think we're on minute 16 of my 15 minutes. So we're getting, we're maybe lucky enough that we're getting a little extension out of uh, out of this kind of flash in the pan viral fame that, that I kind of lucked into. But it is obviously dying down. And I think I'm, I'm getting back. By the end of this week, I'll be back to regular life. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I, I, I think the nice thing with that, though, I mean, as you say, you know, you're you're at minute 16. When I was even talking to my wife about talking with you, I said, you know, the difference with, with him compared to anybody else who becomes, you know, a meme or anything like that is that when people started to look at who you were was seeing the good work that you do with Sanctuary Tucson and, and, and seeing some of the other activism things that you've done. And I, I think that speaks volumes where, you know, people will look at it and, oh, it's just some kid, you know, ma making a funny face, whereas you're quite the opposite of that. You you know, you, you have something to stand for. And I, I, I think that, you know, while the while the hype may, may die from being a meme, people are going to know who you are, and that's going to continue to fuel your efforts. You know, I, I, I want to say that I hope so, but I want, I want to make clear that it's, it's not about me. It, it is good that you know we're having this platform to, to engage in a larger dialogue right. about you know municipal uh, immigration enforcement and policies, and, and you know really immigration policy on, on a large scale as well. You know, I'm interacting with with people from all over the country online now, and really all over the world, um, yeah. and getting to talk about these issues and kind of bring a light to you know what we're trying to do here in Tucson. And also, I think what, what people can take the banner of and do in their own hometown, you know, and do in their own cities and, and say, you know, this is this is kind of the values that we have and this is the, the positions that we want to take uh, as a collective you know, body. Um, so it's been, really, it's been really powerful, and I hope that that, that, does, that part of it does continue. Yeah, and I, and I absolutely think that, think that it will. How was it that you got involved with, with immigration um, and, and with pushing for, for sanctuary. So um, I, I've been involved in child progressive politics for a, for a number of years. Um, I've worked on a variety of political campaigns, both uh, you know issue ballot initiative style campaigns like this, and also uh, for progressive candidates. I I actually moved away from Tucson for a couple of years, and I moved to Washington D.C. Uh, and due to kind of a variety of personal reasons, I wound up moving back here in about March. Uh, I was reconnecting with some former colleagues of mine, and I found out that several colleagues of mine from different campaigns had actually kind of banded together to, to create the People's Defense Initiative, um, to create this nonprofit, and to make this push. Um, and I was really just lucky enough that they had some use for me in some of the, the things that I've learned over the years. Awesome. So, well, Alex, I'm, gl I'm glad that you were able to, to squeeze me into the incredibly busy schedule that you've had. And you know, I'm 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 thrilled, you know, that that you managed to go viral and bring attention, you know, to to such a such a sensitive topic and something that that people need to be focused on. So it's it, it's great work that you're helping get out there. Uh, my my brother is raising his family currently in Tucson, and you know, to know that there's really? good people like you out there, you know, it, it 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 makes me happy for them that they've got good people within their community. That's I mean, that's phenomenal here, and uh, you know, I hope I hope to meet him. Uh, yeah, we're having a lot of events with the campaign. Uh, so, yeah, please, you know, pass it along. Tell him to come down to one. And, uh, you know, or I know you're, you're a comic. Is he, is he also a, a fan of comedy? Or Yeah, he's a big fan of comedy. He's, he's, a, he's a med student, though, so he's constantly tied up with all, <laughs> all of his med stuff. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he, he, he loves going to comedy and things like that. So whenever <laughs> he can a, get out. <laughs> There's kind of a wonderful kind of under-the-radar kind of DIY comedy scene here in Tucson. I was actually, just before we hopped on the line together, I was uh, sitting here with four local comics in this coffee shop, uh, you know, watching them kind of work on some of their material. Oh, awesome. 
So yeah, well, 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 this is normally a, a comedy-ish podcast. So I, I like, like I told you when we were chatting on Twitter, is you know, I e- even though I knew this wasn't going to be our typical comedy interview, I felt that everything you were, you you were doing what was something that our that my listeners, you know, all gel with, and and something that uh that everybody's gonna gonna cling to. I think I think that's the thing in general, right? Though, is that laughter is something that everyone I hope has in their lives, and it's something that they can find a way to connect over. Yeah, comedy is universal, and being able to laugh, like I said earlier, laugh at the nonsense of all of this, it's something that we all need to be able to do to to be able to push through. I couldn't agree more. So again, thank you, Alex, for taking the time to uh, to call in. And where can everybody kind of f- find you know your work to be able to uh, to help donate and uh, and find the information to do this in their own cities? Absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, if you go to TucsonFamilyStandTogether.org or to the People of Defense Initiative.org, you can find more information there. Perfect. So again, thank you, Alex, and uh, best of, best of luck with everything, and uh, keep keep laughing at the at the racists. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> no problem. We'll see you, man. Thank you. Take care. Welcome back to the podcast. That was your interview with Alex Cack. Again, thank you to Alex Cack for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was, it was a lot of fun talking with him. And, you know, I hope everybody has a better idea of what goes on, you know, when you hear about sanctuary cities. I know the media, you know, gives us such a dirty idea of a lot of things. Um, but I think Alex, you know, talked about that well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a cause that he's behind. So if you're in Tucson, you know, get out to some of those events that they're putting on. If you want to donate towards Sanctuary Tucson, or towards any of the legal defense. Uh, again, we'll have those links on the website at On The Mic Podcast. So go to onthemicpodcast.com, and you can click on those links and help donate to them. Uh, but yeah, it, it was so good so good to talk to him. He was a fascinating guy, and you know, I, I hope, you know, as he put it, he's in minute 16 of his 15 minutes of fame, but you know, I, I hope that we see a lot more of Alex and the causes that he's pushing for. You know, it's, it's good to, you know, be able to know that there's people out there that are fighting for others and not just so self-involved, you know. All of us here in Los Angeles and Hollywood, I'm not going to lie, we're, we're a little self-indulgent. You know, I'm sitting here recording a podcast thinking that anybody gives a shit about what I have to say. Uh, you know, the, the self-indulgence never ends here in Hollywood. Uh, but, you know, we all strive to do better the best that we can. And I love being able to celebrate people like Alex Cack for the work that they're doing. You know, Al- Alex, of course, deflected, you know, even as I kind of gave him some of that praise. Uh, that, you know, it doesn't want this to be about him. He wants this to be about, you know, the causes and the things that he's behind. And I think that's wonderful. And, you know, to to his credit, you know, it, we, we still want to be able to give our props to him for taking, you know, time from his life uh, to be able to help others and to show that empathy. It speaks volumes to the kind of person that he is. And I'm very grateful for people like Alex Cack, and I hope that we have more of them. Uh, so thank you, Green Shirt Guy, for all that you do for all of us. Uh, hopefully your 15 minutes last much, much longer. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, it's, it's Emmy season. So the Emmy voting has officially kicked off, uh, which award season here in Los Angeles is such a weird thing because you drive around the city and every studio, every network has a million billboards that, that are up, you know, everywhere you turn, there's some show being promoted. uh, And this time of year, there's all of the four year consideration billboards, everybody telling you to go and vote for their show for an Emmy. 
And yeah, it, it can be a little overwhelming, but you know, they, they put together a lot of, a lot of great events and we've had the opportunity to be going to a lot of those events. Uh, of course, you know, prior to the Emmy nominations, you know, we spent time with CBS, NBC universal, uh, for the good place and Brooklyn nine, nine, uh, CBS always puts on a great one over at their lot in studio city, uh, that, that brings together a ton of the producers and stuff from those shows. Um, and it's, it's always just a great time. I look forward to Emmy season because there's so many cool things going on to see the behind the scenes of a lot of the shows and hear from a lot of the people that make it. Uh, now that the Emmy nominations are out, though, they still continue a lot of those events. Um, the two that we most recently went to uh, were from Netflix. Uh, Netflix invited us to check some out for Russian Doll, as well as uh, When They See Us. Both shows I'd been meaning to get to, and when they invited us, I was like, all right, well, we're going to binge through these, of course, before before we go, because I didn't want to just go to this Emmy event for a show that, yeah, I had heard of, I knew what it was, but... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to actually be involved with the conversation and understand what they were talking about. Uh, the first one that we went to was uh, for Russian Doll uh, from Natasha Leone. And I, I've been a big fan of Natasha. You know, I loved her in American Pie. Of course, loved her in, in Orange is the New Black. I did not know what to expect from Russian Doll. So my wife and I sat down to watch it, and holy shit, what a rad show that was. I kept seeing so many people praise it on social media. And, you know, sometimes I, I discount some of the things that you see other celebrities saying about their friends because, of course, they're excited for their friends, and of course they want their friends to succeed. So I kind of take some of that with a grain of salt. Even though I am a fan of Natasha, I still am like, all right, well, we'll see what this is. And it blew me away. I absolutely adore Russian Doll. I cannot wait to see what they do with the second season. Uh, because they kind of left it a little closed at the end of this one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very fascinating to see you know, where they take it. I, I have a few ideas of, what, of where they could go with it. Um, but yeah, it, it was a really fun show. They had that event too over at Hollywood Forever. The, one of my favorite cemeteries. We recorded an episode of the podcast uh, over at Hollywood Forever. And it couldn't be a more suitable place for Russian Doll. Uh, that might be a spoiler too. Yes, the show does revolve around death uh, in a very unique and comical way. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the perfect location for it. Uh, to kick off the event, uh, Natasha sat down with none other, none other than Maya Rudolph from Saturday Night Live. And of course, Maya, you know, voices a ton of characters. I know I'm Big Mouth. Um, and she's, you know, in in everything. Of course, most recently in The Good Place as the judge. Uh, yeah, everybody loves Maya Rudolph. And who knew that her and Natasha were actually longtime friends? Uh, it was great to have her sit down, not just as a fan of the show, but as a close friend of Natasha's. Uh, to be able to talk, about, uh, to talk about Russian Doll and learn some of the inside uh, workings of the show. Show. Uh, yeah, it was it was just such a great event. Of course, Netflix they always try and hook you up uh, with some type of swag. And being in the cemetery where everybody you know has to kind of sit on the grass, or you know if you bring some lawn chairs or something, uh, the area that they have where they do screenings, uh, they they provided everybody with some awesome Russian doll blankets. And uh, yeah, they, they were they're really nice blankets. I, I was very impressed. Netflix never lets us down with the uh, with the swag. Whenever we've gone out to the uh, to the other events they put on, they always do a thanks for watching event for for uh, fans and viewers. Uh, that gives you just like some. It's basically a big room where you can take a ton of selfies. <laughs> uh, but they always hook you up with swag at that as well. Um, yeah, they like I said, Netflix never lets us down when it comes to these events. 
but yeah, it was, it was a really good time over at Hollywood Forever. Hearing Natasha talk about the show, you know, kind of what inspired her to make the show. Some of the writing um, that she had that she had previously read that kind of inspired her. And just how long this has kind of been bouncing around in her head wanting to make the show. I, I don't want to say too much about it because it'll spoil things for you. So I, I, if I'm being vague and you're like, what the fuck is the show about? I'm sorry, I can't tell you because it, it would ruin it for you. Uh, so yeah, take the time to watch it. I, I, if I remember right, it was only eight episodes. Uh, so you, you've got time to go through and binge that. You've got no excuse. So you, you know you're just sitting around at home right now anyway. Uh, I apologize if you're working your ass off or you're sitting in traffic and you want to be at home. But take the time and watch Russian Doll. So it's really a great show. Uh, the second one that we went over to was for When They See Us. Now, this this I knew was going to be a little bit deeper of a panel. Of course, When They See Us uh, from Ava DuVernay, one of my favorite directors. I think that she's one of the most underrated directors out there. Uh, of course, you know, she did Selma, 13th. She's an Academy Award-nominated director. Um, and When They See Us uh, is focused on the Central Park Five, uh, the story of five young black men who uh, were in New York City uh, back in the 80s that were uh, arrested for a brutal rape uh, that they did not commit. And they were, they were tried, prosecuted, they spent time in jail. Um, and of course, Donald Trump, uh, you know, called for their death at the time. And still to this day, even after the, they've been released and, you know, exonerated on all charges when it found out that they actually were innocent, uh, he has still stood by that. So, I mean, it's th th this couldn't have come at a, uh, you know, a better time that this uh, this miniseries came out. It's a four part miniseries. It's it's breathtaking, and you know it's it's it'll make you cry. It, it's one of those that you see the parallels of things that we can see happening today, and these things that happened, you know, in the late 1980s. Um, you know, I was too little to remember any of this, and hearing the stories um, and seeing it come to life on here, it it it'll just kind of destroy you. So the panel uh, was moderated by J.J. Abrams. Of course, you know, we know him from Star Trek and Star Wars, uh, Bad Robot. You know, every, everything that J.J. does, you know, isn't this realm of a uh, film. But J.J. is a good friend of Ava DuVernay, and so she asked him to come um, and moderate this. And, and you know, I, I knew this was going to be something that was going to be a little bit heavier of a panel. I mean, they had plenty of very light moments, a lot of laughter. The actors that were there, you know, gave everybody a good laugh. Uh, the kid that plays Kevin Richardson in the show, uh, it was it was his first acting role. His performance is incredible. Uh, but screening it in the theater like the Paramount Theater, uh, this is what this uh, event took place over at Paramount Studios. And even my wife leaned over to me and she she pointed out the the music behind it. And it was so powerful seeing it in a theater. I mean, we had watched it at home. But hearing that music and the way that it was designed for this show, and, and the composer was there, um, and even closed out the panel by playing uh, playing one of the songs for us, and it was just so incredibly powerful to reflect on the stories of these five five men, um, you know, from their childhood, of you know having having their childhood essentially robbed from them, uh, you know, off off of corruption and racism, things that again, you know, they parallel the things that we're still seeing happen today. Uh, I, I cannot, I cannot stress the importance of everybody watching when they see us because with, with today's social ramifications, it's something that we should all be aware of that, you know, this horrible thing happened. These five boys had their life stolen from them. 
And sure, you know, they got a huge payout. They got a huge settlement. But that doesn't make up for what they lost. And my, my wife even pointed that out afterwards. She was like, you know, I, I can't believe that's all they got. You know, they lost so much more of their life than what they got in financial compensation. And th- this this show is just so powerful. Again, it's a four-part series. Uh, each episode is about an hour to an hour 15 long. It is worth the watch. It can be hard to kind of binge this. Um, we still try to because, you know, we, we had very limited time. Uh, to be able to watch the uh, to be able to watch these shows uh, leading up to their uh, to their FYC events, but this was a truly powerful show, and again, you know, trying to binge through it, it was heavy. It was hard to be able to just watch that straight, uh, but I'm glad that we did. It, it's just a, an incredible show, and I can't say enough good things about it. The performances in it are absolutely incredible. I look forward to seeing, you know, the Emmys that when they see us takes home. And I hope that that brings more attention to it and that more people take the time to go and watch that uh, on Netflix. Uh, Again, both of these Russian doll and when they see us are available on Netflix. They're Netflix originals. So, you know, they're always going to be there for you to watch. They're not going to be leaving the service. Uh, Of course, there'll be a season two of Russian doll. So, you know, you may as well get caught up now. So that way, when the Emmys roll around September 22nd, you'll you'll have already been caught up. You'll know what people are talking about, um, because these two shows, I think, are going to carry a lot of a lot of Emmy wins here. Uh, they both have been nominated. I want to say uh, it was 13 for Russian Doll um, and 16 for When They See Us. Uh, I may be slightly off there, but uh, I at least know for sure it was 16 for When They See Us. But make sure you guys go and check those out. Again, thank you to Netflix uh, for having us out to these events. It's it's always so wonderful to be there. Uh, the reception after when they see us uh, was just out uh, out on the lot at Paramount. Uh, and Paramount Studios is such a such a gorgeous studio, uh, and it was just such a perfect night and so well put together uh, that we really enjoyed our time there. So thank you to Netflix uh, for having us and Paramount for uh, putting on just such a beautiful reception. It was such a such a great time uh, at both of these events. I uh, look forward to seeing, you know, how the Emmys go this September. I always have a good time with those. Uh, of course, there's they've announced, too, that there's not going to be a host this year. Uh, I know people were skeptical of how the Oscars were going to go uh, without a host. And, you know, it, it went incredibly well. Uh, so I think they kind of took a page uh, out of the Academy's playbook. And, uh, yeah, the Emmys, as of right now, uh, they, they didn't even reach out to anybody, I guess. They just straight up decided, you know, there's not going to be a host. Uh, so we, we will see how that goes. I wish Tina Fey and Amy Poehler could just kind of host everything. Those those two are incredible when they host. Uh, but, you know, I guess we can't always have them. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we've been having a good time. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Alex Kack. Make sure to go check out both of those shows uh, on Netflix. Uh, until then, I will see you guys next week. I've got a couple of great comedians lined up. Uh, that I'll be recording with the next couple days here uh, for episodes in the coming weeks. Again, thank you for always sending me tweets and sending me messages. I've really enjoyed meeting so many of you uh, over the past couple of episodes. Uh, I know a lot of you uh, even reached out after the Matt Knudsen episode because I I overlooked a big section uh, that so many people called me out on. Um, and that was, of course, that Matt Knudsen was also in Malcolm in the Middle, um, you know, had, had scenes with Brian Cranston, and I skipped over that. It wasn't so much that I was meaning to skip over it or anything. We, we just talked about other things. You know, I try not to make these just so interviewee and just to be able to have a conversation that sometimes there are things that, you know, they kind of fall by the wayside. And, you know, I, I get that was kind of a big deal. I kind of regret not talking to him about it, but... 
we were also having just a very natural conversation. Uh, so it's something that, you know, we didn't get to. Would have been cool to talk to him about that, uh, but, you know, it just didn't happen. So I'm sorry that we didn't talk about that. Matt's always welcome on the podcast. If he wants to come back and talk about his experience on Malcolm in the Middle, I would love to have him. So Matt Knudsen is always welcome on the podcast. He was wonderful. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for reaching out and tweeting along with me. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Until then, I will see you guys next week. Make sure again to go to onthemicpodcast.com. See those links for Alex Cack and see how you can donate and help. Be good to each other. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.